0: Your word I must hide in my heart, your word I must hide in my heart, your word I must hide in my heart. Your word gives me joy, in my joy, my heart, your word gives me joy, in my joy, in my heart, your word gives me joy. Peace. Peace, Peace. In my heart. Your word gives me peace. is alive.
1: My God is creator and He is alive.
0: My God is alive. My God is alive. My God is creator and He is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true. He showed all His glory so there's no excuse. So worships adore Him and baptize His name they, as he edgers, his greatness proclaim, My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. is alive.
1: The Christ is alive,
0: the Christ is alive,
1: The Christ is our Savior and He is alive.
0: The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive! He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, Exalted on high for the life that He gave, So glory and honor and praise to His name, So King of all kingdoms His sonship proclaimed. proclaim, The Christ is alive! The Christ is alive! The Christ is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible, and it is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible, and it is alive. Here on the sun, It sharpens and sores And it passes the same Since power is failing It's worth we proclaim God's Word is alive God's Word is alive God's
1: Word is alive, word is alive. Our God of Life You know that every single living thing that exists today, it was made by God. God was the one that gave that thing life, that being life. In fact, God himself is the only being that has always lived. He is life. And it's amazing to me that he actually has decided to share that life with us. And he gives us life, this thing that we call life. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's from God. Let's take a look at our God of life together. Now, this morning, we looked at John chapter six, and we looked at the phrase that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But did you notice there's a few other statements about life? And these are just like kind of a couple that I picked. There there were several others that I could have, but these are the ones that I wanted to kind of focus on. Verse 63, we read, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken you, they are full of the spirit of life. And then in verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, God is the one that has given us life. He's given us this full life, this complete life. We can have it, this eternal life. We can have that by coming to God, because God is the one that gives us these things. In fact, our Lord, he has been connected to life itself from early on in the story of the Bible. In fact, all the way back in Genesis, do you realize that we have this close connection between our God and the life that exists? Let's take a look at that, especially within humans. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I mean, this tells us so much about not just Adam, but also mankind as a whole. We see that the first man, he was formed from the dust of the ground, but more than that, you know, at first he was just this this lifeless body, until what the Lord did. That the Lord God He breathed into his nostrils this breath of life. Here we see life being connected with the Lord God from very very early on, at the very beginning of creation, and we find that only after that moment. Only after this breath of life entered into the man, entered into this formed man from the dust, did the man become a living being. And all living beings, all of mankind from this time on, continues to come back to this moment that the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's how we get this life. Our God is life. But there's also more about this. In the next few verses, verses eight through 10 now. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it was separated into four headwaters. As you look at this passage right here we find out other verses other words that are connected with this life that comes from god we see in verse 9 that there is this tree of life so not only did god breathe this breath of life into adam but we also see that god made this tree of life we also see in verse 10 that there's this river that's flowing out of this garden and and it and it flowed uh, really throughout eden and from eden and then it just kind of went well we don't exactly know Uh, where all it went but it separated into four different things but it was this big river that flowed out of Eden out of this garden well if we go to the last book in the Bible we find out that some of these same images this tree of life and also this river are connected together and those images carry over into what we will one day experience not in this life here on uh, right here right now but in the life that is to come in Revelation 22 this is what we see verses 1 through 3 Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. So already we've looked at passages that talk about, our God of life. We see that he breathed the breath of life into Adam. We also find out that he created this tree of life. And here we see that there is this river of the water of life. So you might say that there's a river of life. There's this water of life. And here we also see in verse two, that there is this tree of life shows back up again. You know, we, we saw that way at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, but now we see it way at the end in the book of Revelation, that there is this tree of life and by the way, it's just kind of beautiful images about all this that is life in this city, in this, the city that is to come. So all these things that are connected with life, we sometimes have the question, though, as we look around the world around us, and we see that there's a lot of things that don't just cry out that there is all this life within us. In fact, we see a lot of death that happens. And we might wonder, so why is there death? If God himself is the creator of all these things and creator of all this life, why do we experience death? Why was there that at the beginning? Well, if we go back to the beginning of the story, this time back to Genesis chapter 3, we get a little bit of an answer for that question. In Genesis chapter 3, we find out that Adam and Eve, they chose to walk away from God's life. God gave them the tree of life, but they decided, oh, well, we're going to do things a little bit different. And they ate from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, that exact tree that God said, don't eat from this tree. They were supposed to choose life on God's terms, but they decided to go a different way. Then we find out this passage right here in Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now see, in these verses, we find out that this tree of life would have still been able to keep them alive, but they were in a different state. That they were in a state that Really, God told them that whenever they reached out and and ate from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, that it was going to produce death within them. And it did. They weren't fully within God's life at that moment from the time that they ate from that tree. Guess what? Each and every single human being since the time of Adam and Eve, we've chose to do something very similar to what they did. We chose to do things a different way and and to, to go outside of that sustaining life that God gives us all. So mankind as a whole, we have all chosen to walk away from God's life at one point or another. But God has still reached out to us. He still reached out to them as well. In fact, we see this in the nation of Israel. Take a look with with me at this passage here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, remember, the entire book of Deuteronomy is all about the second giving about the law of Moses right before they enter into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20, what we find out right there is that God is calling them to choose life. Let's read it together. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we see here in these verses that God gave them a choice. God was giving an entire nation this choice. He says, look, you have life on the one hand, you have death on the other hand. This is the same choice that he gave Adam and Eve. Don't you remember there's two different trees. There's the tree of life, but then there's also the tree of death, or rather the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you wanna go with what the Bible actually says. But that tree produced death. God continues to lay these two different pathways out before us. And he asks us, I even would go so far as to say that he begs us to choose life. But so much of the time, we look at that life and we decide to choose a different route, a different pathway. And that other pathway, it it always leads to death. And you would think that mankind has put it together, but we oftentimes haven't. We don't. And we continue to choose a route other than the life that God so desperately wants us. In verse 20, we even find out with this whole nation of Israel that they are told, the Lord is your life. That's so true with us as well, that the Lord is our life. But as you look at the whole nation of Israel, yes, they, they were given great promises. They were given everything that you could possibly you know, really want. God wants them to choose this life. He asks them to choose this life. But sometimes Israel as a whole, they still chose another way. Well, when they chose another way, how did God respond? If you keep reading throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you will find out that that Israel oftentimes responded to God's call by turning a different way. And then God responds too, and he he tries to, to ask them to repent. He begs them, he desires for them to come back. Sometimes they do. Many times they don't, but God's desire doesn't really change. God still always wants the same thing. He always wants us to have life. Let's take a look at another passage that, that really demonstrates this uh, very well. In Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and 12, the Lord says to to Israel, to this nation here. Now, it's important that you understand that this verse, it deals with the 70-year Exile that they are going to go into the land of Babylon and, and be exiled during this time. But what you find out is that God still looked after them during that time, and he still cared about them, even though because of, of their pathway, he is causing them to be sent into exile. Notice what he says to those who are going to be in exile. This is what he says. Verses 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Everything about the nation of Israel's life at this point, they are about to be exiled. It doesn't look like they have much of a hope. It doesn't look like they have much of a future. It doesn't look like really God is, is, is in control even. At least many of them would have said that. But yet God was still in control. He still had a plan for them even whenever they themselves couldn't see it. After all, you know, we're only human beings. Sometimes we don't see the big plan of God. But God still looked after them. God still cared for them. He still had plans for them, plans to give them hope, plans to give them a future. He wanted to listen to them. Now, this shows us exactly what God truly wants. But there's other passages as well that show us the same thing of what God wants. Going back to John chapter uh, six, this time in verse 40. Now we looked at that this this morning, but we find out about what God wants. Jesus says, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. That's what the father's will is. That's what God wanted wanted. Uh, at this time. That's what God wanted from the very beginning. He wants us all to have this eternal life. And we can find out that through his son, we can have that eternal life. We can have hope that we will be raised up from the dead at the last day as well. But you know, the two passages, the the last two passages that we looked at, they're still not the only passages that tell us the same type of thing. Let's look at the book of 2 Peter. Now, Peter, a very well-known apostle, in 2 Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine, he writes, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If you want to know what God's will is, if you want to know what God wants, there's plenty of passages in the Bible that tell us. God wants everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to have life now this message was proclaimed even from the very beginning of the church that this was part of the early church's sermons that they would preach we look at this that this same man who wrote second peter three he's also proclaiming this in the book of acts let's take a look at that one together in acts chapter three this time now in verse 19 this is part of peter's sermon and peter says repent then and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, this is what Peter is proclaiming. This is the second gospel message that is proclaimed in the book of Acts. And that is to repent. That is to turn away from our sins. It's just like back in Deuteronomy that we looked at, that God laid out a pathway. He said, there is a pathway that leads to life. There's also a pathway that leads to death. Which will you choose? Well, Peter is speaking to people who chose that pathway of death. And Peter is telling them, you need to repent. You need to choose life. This is what God wants. This is why we should repent, because God desires it of us. He has better plans for our lives. But Peter, right here in Acts 3, this isn't the only time that this is, is proclaimed in the early church. Let's look at another occasion. In Acts chapter 11, verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, Even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Once again, now we find out that there's this connection with this repentance. Because that repentance is, whenever we repent of that way that leads to death, whenever we repent of that, we start to go on the way that leads to life. But there's still more. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. This is time the Apostle Paul, he says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. See, God wants us to repent. And repentance is that turning away from sin. Now, sometimes it can maybe help us if we understand temptation better. And in James chapter 1, we find out a little bit about temptation, and we also find out that we need to be careful whenever we think about temptations and how we think about these temptations. Let's take a look at James 1 together. In James 1, Verses 12 through 18. Notice what God is doing in all of these verses. James says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say God is tempted. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. When you look at this passage, you find out about what God is doing. You find out what he's doing in all of our lives. We find out that God gives us, as what verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift. Every single good and perfect gift, it's from above. It's from God. God gives us this bread of life. God gives us the breath of life, the tree of life, the river of life. God gives us life. Are you seeing this connection that he desperately wants us to repent? He desperately wants us to come to this way of life. God has provided that way of life for us. How has he done that? By sending his son Jesus for us. Just like John chapter three tells us. In John 3:16 and 17, we find out how deep God's love is for us and how much he wants life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. that Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you see this love of God? Do you see that God is offering us this life, this eternal life? Look at this verse. It's not just a, a, a nice little short verse that, that we all just memorize. We, we need to understand how great of a truth this is, how great of a message this is for us. It needs to be proclaimed. We need to to internalize it within us. Let's look at this passage. Let's remember to learn from this passage. Let us accept this way of life that God has given to us by giving his son in our place so that we can have eternal life. Let us follow Jesus Christ every single day of our lives because he is our life. Abundant life,
0: Christ left the light the light of heaven, so the darkness can be forgiven. Servant so, to be our Lord, Himself did He give His life to the abundantly. Abundant life, Christ grants to us, to us, past measure, measure to His incorruptible, his incorruptible treasure. Grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly. Abundant life, Christ pleads for us in dark temptation, temptation, and saves us from condemnation rescued at sea. Open that sweet, story, sweet story, safe so that I might live eternal.